If you have your Bible, understand with me Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Our theme for our August reset is I am connected. And these four services, these two o'clock services in the month of August, we're going to be striving to remind you of how powerful those connections are. Amen. I'm connected to God. I'm connected to revival. I'm connected to my church. And I'm connected to my family. And my family's connected to the church. Amen. So those are the things that we're going to be focusing on. I'll be preaching today from the theme of a God connection. Brother Frank Jordan, if you, if you, if you have to miss one of these Sundays, next Sunday is not the Sunday to miss. Amen. Brother Frank Jordan is going to be with us next Sunday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. He is an evangelist. He's a revival preacher. Amen. He's going to be preaching revival in this place. You want to be here. It's a good service to bring somebody. Listen, it's 2 o'clock church. All them folks uh, who said to you they can't come to church because, oh, they got their own church to go to, I'm going to guarantee you their church isn't having service at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Amen. This is a good opportunity to bring somebody, let them experience Pentecost for themselves. And so, Brother Frank Jordan will be with us next Sunday at 2 o'clock. Then the Sunday after that, Brother Matt Jones will be with us. He's going to be preaching from uh, the general theme of a church connection and how valuable it is to be a part of the church, the body of Christ. And then I'll close out the month, the last Sunday, uh, with family connections and talking about how important it is to connect your family with the body of Christ. Amen. And so that's kind of the theme for the month of August. Today my task is to talk to you about a God connection. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 it says this, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us. I want to preach for a few moments from that subject, the God connection. Would you pray with me right now, Lord Jesus? We love you. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for the power of your presence. I thank you, Lord, that the same spirit that was in the dome at America Center in St. Louis this week, Lord, uh, is here in this place right now. That same power uh, that was manifest there is manifest here. Uh, and we're asking in the name of Jesus Christ that you would do what only you can do, Lord. Pour out of your spirit. Pour out of your anointing. Pour out of the power of the Holy Ghost upon each and every one of us. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. He is an all-knowing God. Amen. He inhabits time like we inhabit space. Amen. He, he, he does not know the limits of time like, like we do. Uh, we move around space, and, and we can be here, and then we can go over there, but we're stuck in a single moment of time, and we can't move through time, but God, he inhabits time in that same kind of fluid nature with which we inhabit a building. Uh, amen. We, 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 when we, if, if, if days were rooms in a building, we're stuck in one room at a time. Does that make sense? We're moving one moment at a time. 
But God, he sees the whole building, all the rooms. He just takes the, the lid off, and he sees the whole thing at the same time. That's why the prophet Isaiah can say in Isaiah 46 and 10 that he know he's the one who knows the end from the beginning. He knows all things before they are. He's all-knowing. So God's plan for salvation begins with his foreknowledge. Before he ever created man, he knew there would be a need for salvation from sin. Uh, amen. That's important to understand because the cross uh, is not just God's knee-jerk reaction to sin. It's not that God made a perfect world uh, and put Adam and Eve in the garden and the devil came along and messed it up and God had to react to that. And that's why we have a cross. No, my friend, uh, before he ever formed the earth, uh, Jesus Christ was a lamb slain uh, from the foundations of the earth uh, before he ever set it in motion, uh, before he ever created man. Uh, he knew there was going to be a need for salvation. Uh, amen. He knew there was going to be a need for the cross. Uh, he knew there was going to be a need for a perfect spotless lamb. God knew that men would fall into sin. And God knew there would be a need for redemption. So before he ever made the world, he planned a hill called Calvary. Before he ever crafted the universe, he had the cross in his mind. Before he ever born man from the dust of the earth uh, and breathed life into him, uh, he had the incarnation. Uh, and he could say, because he could see uh, the cross, he could say, let us make man uh, in our image. Uh, because he, God only has one image, uh, and that's the man Christ Jesus. Uh, and he knows what that looks like. Amen. He knew we would all be born under the guilt of sin. He knew that when, when he made a way of salvation, that there were some who would accept it and there were some who would reject it. And those who rejected it would be lost and those who embraced it would be saved. And so God, in his foreknowledge, knew before he ever created mankind that he would have a church just as surely as the cross existed in the mind of God before he created the earth. The church already existed in the mind of God, in the thought of God, in the plan of God. There's only one reason for a cross. It's a church victorious. There's only one reason for a cross. I'm going to take a people out of him for my name's sake. So Paul says, whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate. And that's a verse that's tripped up a lot of people over the years. Because to predestinate means to determine in advance, to plan ahead. It indicates a plan that's put in place that is unchangeable. What is predestined will come to pass. It cannot be altered. It cannot be changed. So let's put that into perspective. God, who sees the end from the beginning, the one who speaks uh, into the darkness of space uh, and creates the whole universe, uh, causes everything that we see and know to come into being. Uh, amen. He has already determined uh, that he will have a church. Uh, amen. The church is predestined, uh, and nothing can alter that plan uh, before he ever formed the earth. Uh, amen. 
Amen. He had already made up his mind. Uh, there's going to be a church. Uh, this is how he's going to overcome sin. Uh, this is how he's going to overcome the world. Uh, he's going to have a church. Uh, and honey, it's going to be without spot uh, and without blemish. Uh, it's going to be a church that's triumphant. Uh, it's going to be a church that's victorious. Uh, it's going to be a church that's not overcome by the world, but overcomes the world in the name of Jesus Christ. He's going to have a church, and it's going to be a victorious church. Uh, he's going to have a church, and it's not back in water for nobody. Amen. He's going to have a church that's going to stand uh, for truth, uh, that's going to stand for righteousness, uh, that doesn't have to compromise uh, to get by. Uh, he's going to have a church uh, that's full of his power and his glory and his anointing, uh, and he's an overcoming God. Uh, he's an almighty God. Uh, he's an all-powerful God, uh, and he's going to invest himself uh, into his church. The church is predestined. Nothing can alter that plan. God has already decided this is what he's going to do. He's going to have a victorious church that's going to stand against the onslaught of hell, and it will prevail. Amen. It's not going to bend. It's not going to break. It's not going to bow down to the idols of this world. It's not going to have to compromise to survive. Amen. He's got a church. He predestined it from the beginning. He envisioned it from the beginning. He's going to invest himself in a body of people, and they're going to show forth his glory, and they're going to show forth his anointing, and people are going to see him in his church. So God predestined the incarnation. He predestined the cross at Calvary. He predestined the resurrection. He predestined that Jesus would come forth from the grave. He predestined uh, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Uh, he predestined the fact uh, that there would be a mighty church uh, in the last days. Uh, he predestined the fact uh, that there would be an assembly uh, that would gather together in his name uh, and that he would fill that place with his glory. Those things were bound to occur before God ever created the earth. They were predestined. Amen? The church was foreordained. It, it was going to come into existence no matter what happened. No power in hell could stop that. Nothing the devil could do. No force of darkness could overcome it. From the moment that God said, let there be light, it had already been determined there will be light at the evening time. Amen. From the moment he stepped out on the edge of nothing at all. Amen. And looked into the darkness that was without form, without void. Amen. He was looking ahead to the end of time when a world would be engulfed in the dark tyranny of sin. And when he said, let there be light. He did so in the foreknowledge that a light was predestined to shine in the darkness of the world. At the end of time, there would be a church that would shine a light that would not be overwhelmed by the darkness. That in the last days, that in the final hour, there would be a beacon of hope. There would be a lighthouse that would shine. There would be an assembly of people who would allow the glory and the anointing of God to shine through them. There would be a church. Amen. So God will have a church. Have a church that's victorious. Have a church that's overcoming. 
Listen, when the history of the world finally comes to its end, kingdoms will have risen and fallen. Nations will have come and gone. Tongues and nationalities will have risen up and gone extinct. But through it all, I'm going to tell you something. The church that was formed on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, that church will still be standing because it was determined before the beginning of time from the very foundation. He predestined there will be a church. That's what the passage means. It does not mean that your fate, your individual fate is predetermined. It does not mean that you don't have any choice whether or not you're saved. It, it doesn't mean that your salvation depends on some cosmic roll of the dice, uh, that, that perhaps by some random chance uh, beyond your control that you're one of the ones that God pre-selected uh, to be a part of his church. That's not what it means. Uh, amen. It means that from the beginning, uh, God knew he would have a church. Uh, God knew uh, he was going to have an overcoming body. Uh, he knew uh, that there was going to be victory in the midst uh, of all the darkness of this world. Uh, he knew there was going to be a lighthouse called the church. Amen. So Paul goes on and says he called men and women to be a part of that church. He called individuals. Uh, amen. If, if predestination was the concept that it's pre-selected who's going to be in the church and who's not. If it was true that you're born stamped, uh, either you're a loser or a winner, either you're saved uh, or you're lost. Uh, if that's the way it was, uh, then the call of God would be narrow. Uh, he would only be calling uh, those who would respond. Uh, but I'm here to tell you the call in the Bible that I read uh, is not a limited call. It's not, it's not sectioned out to just a certain group of people. He isn't just calling those that he already knows are going to respond. My Bible said, whosoever will, let him come. Anybody from anywhere, it doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what your past is. It don't matter what kind of sin you've got. It don't matter what kind of baggage you've got. It don't matter who your mommy was or who your daddy was. Amen. Whosoever will, let him come that's the church it's an invitation to everybody the bible says in matthew 20 and 16 many are called but few are chosen. Many are called. Amen. That call is universal. That call is to everyone. But few are chosen. The difference between those who are called and those who are chosen is what the individual does with the call of God that's on their life. If this passage was teaching that the fates of individuals were already determined, then the calling of God would be very specific and very limited. But that's not how the Bible describes it. It's broad. It's far-reaching. Anyone and everyone is invited to become a part of the church. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. Amen. But only those who answer the call are actually called out of sin. He may have called the whole world, but his church... That predestined church will only be composed of those who have actually answered the call. Does that make sense? So everyone is invited to be a part of the bride. 
but you still have to choose to answer the call. You still have to decide if you will be a part of the church or not. If you choose to obey the scripture, you'll be saved. That's already been predetermined. Amen. If you choose to repent of your sins, he's going to forgive you. That's already been predetermined. You don't have to bank on, well, I'm going to get good enough uh, to get God. Uh, Amen. He made up his mind a long time ago. If you come to an altar and repent of your sins uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what you've done, honey. He's going to forgive you. That was predestined. You choose to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's going to quicken you to life. Uh, amen. He's going to raise those that are buried with him uh, are buried into Christ Jesus. Uh, that's predetermined. Uh, and those who are buried with him uh, are going to rise to walk uh, in the newness of life. Uh, amen. You get repented of your sins uh, and you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter said, you will receive the gift uh, of the Holy Ghost. Uh, that's been predetermined. Amen. You surrender your life to him. You come to an altar and you repent of your sins. You go down in that water in the name of Jesus Christ. You surrender everything to him and he will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you choose to become a part of his bride, you choose to become a part of his church, and you remain a part of his church, your salvation is certain. Amen? That's as close to eternal security as you get, my friend. Amen. If you get in this thing and you stay in this thing, I'm going to promise you something. At the end of all time, this church is still standing. Amen. Amen. It has been predestined. The church is going to overcome the world. The church will be victorious. The end has already been written. I read the back of the book. Amen. We overcome. You've got this promise. If you stay in the church, if you get in the church and you stay in the church, when the church overcomes the world, you're going to overcome the world because God's church is going to be victorious. I want to preach to somebody for just a moment. You may stumble along the way, but stay with the church. Amen. You may mess up, but stay with the church. You may make mistakes from time to time, but get back up and stay with the church because the church is going to overcome. The church is going to be victorious. You have this assurance. If you remain in God's plan for your life, if you remain in the church, amen, in the end, the church is going to overcome. So whatever you do, don't turn your back on the church. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to tell you what the devil will do. He'll try to trip you up. He'll try to get you to mess up. He'll try to get you. The moment you make your most devout commitment to God, amen, he'll be right there waiting in the shadows, and he'll deal you a blow, amen. And when you stumble and fall, he's going to tell you it's too late, buddy. You can't hook back up with the Lord. You done messed up. You done missed out. And he's going to do everything he can to keep you out of the church. My Bible said, we have an advocate with the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ, the righteous. I'm here to tell you, when you mess up, amen, you need to recognize you messed up. Sin is sin, honey, and it's disgusting to God. We need to get a realization of just how ugly sin is, but we don't need to let that realization overwhelm the fact that the mercy of God is just as real as the judgment of God. And if you'll bend your knee at an altar and you'll pour out your heart unto him and you'll repent he's faithful to forgive 
Stay with the church, my friend. Those who answer the call. Those who obey the gospel. Those who were foreknown, predestined, and called. Those will be justified. That means that God counts them as righteous on the basis of the cross, regardless of their past. Aren't you glad that your future isn't determined by your past? Come on, I used to listen to a lot of talk radio. I don't seem to have as much time for that anymore as I used to have. But I used to listen to a lot of talk radio. And one of the, one of the popular commercial formats on talk radio is uh, investment opportunities. Gold, silver, some type of bonds. Uh, you've heard it. Rare coins. All of those ads end with the same line. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard it. A little voice comes on at the end and says, after they told you how much, how, how valuable gold is, how much it sells for, how, how, you know, this is the investment opportunity of a lifetime. It's going to multiply many times over in the next few years. If you buy in now, get in while it's low. Then they'll come on. The voice says this, past performance does not indicate future results. It appears at the end of every single ad uh, because a lawyer somewhere insisted uh, that it had to be in there because the truth of the matter is uh, what has been uh, doesn't determine what will be. Uh, I come to tell somebody in this place uh, on a Sunday afternoon, your past performance uh, doesn't serve as an indicator uh, of your future results. Uh, Get in the church, honey. Be a part of the church. Uh, Amen. What has been uh, is not a limiter of what can be. We let the devil twist our vision up. We let the devil convince us that we're bound to be what we've always been. I'm bound to be what my daddy was. I'm bound to be what my granddaddy was. There's a generational curse, and I'm just bound to carry it. I come to tell somebody this house on a Sunday afternoon, honey, that's not the way it is. What was in your past doesn't decide what's in your future. Get in the church. Justification makes it just as if I'd never sinned. Makes it just as if my past never existed. Amen. He wipes my record clean. Somebody needs to tell the devil. You hear that devil? He, I'm not what I used to be. I know I'm not what I want to be, but I'm not what I used to be. I know I haven't arrived yet at my destination, but I'm in his church and Christ is being formed in me. The final step in God's plan of salvation, according to the text that we read, is glorification. Then before knew, he he predestined. Then he predestined, he called. Then he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. That's what we're striving for. I'm not there yet, but that's what I'm reaching for. I have it. None of us are there yet. One of these days, we're going to be glorified. One of these days, we're going to go on to perfection. One of these days, we're going to cross over to that other side. But we're not 
there yet. We're called out. We're separated from the world, but we still live in a sinful world. We still struggle with our flesh and its sin nature. Amen. One of these days, he's going to take us out of this world. One of these days, he's going to give us a brand new glorified body, and I'm not going to wrestle with my flesh anymore. And on that day, I will have finally and completely overcome this world. That's the end goal. That's the end of the salvation process. That's what I'm striving for. I'm not there yet. Amen, but that's what I'm reaching for. Where we struggle is the practical application of that truth to our daily lives. We're in this world even though we're not of it. And our flesh is ever-present with us. And the whims and carnal desires of our flesh strive to obtain the mastery over us. We're living somewhere between answering the call and obtaining the prize. We're living in that land between justification and glorification. That's why we so desperately need a God connection in our lives. That's why we so desperately need God present daily in our lives. You've got to pray because prayer is what connects you with God. You've got to read your Bible because that's how you hear from the Word of God. You've got to fast, honey, because that's how you put your flesh in subjection to the Spirit of God. Paul said, let that same mind that was in Christ Jesus, let it be formed in you also. How do you get the mind of Christ? I can tell you how you do that. You do it by spending time with Him in prayer. Amen. Amen. The more you pray, the more you begin to think like him. The more you read his word, the more you begin to think like him. The more you abide in him. The Bible said he abides in you. Amen. You get grafted into the vine and you let the vine flow through you. And the more you're into him, the more he's into you. Amen. That's the practical application. That's how I get from justification to glorification. That's how I get from where he saved me to what he saved me for. Amen? It's that God connection that empowers us in this evil, wicked, sinful world. The closer I get to Him, the more I begin to recognize what sin really is. You know, whenever I'm distant from Him, sin is appealing. When I get close to him, sin is repulsive. Amen. You need to get so close to him that your temptations, the things that you struggle with, the the nature of them begins to change because the nature of your mind begins to shift. Can I get an amen? That's what it means to get the mind of Christ in you. We've got to maintain that connection to him. When you fast, your carnal man is weakened and your spiritual man is strengthened. You, you, you wonder why your flesh has so much dominion over the way you think and the way you act. It's because you haven't brought it under submission to the Spirit of God that dwells inside of you. The only way you can do that is through fasting. Prayer and fasting bring you into submission to the Spirit of God. That's how you get from justification 
to glorification. You have to have a personal God connection. Listen, it's not enough just to come to church on Sunday. You've got to live in the world all week long. I mean, you know, the devil's tough enough on Sunday, and I'm at church. Amen. But Monday's coming, honey. And I wish you all would meet me down here Monday morning because I could sure use a little church before I walk into the office. You know what I mean? You've got to live in the world. You've got to walk through the world. You've got you've to conduct your day-to-day business in this world all week long. You need a daily connection to God. Uh, how are you going to know his will uh, if you don't talk to him? Uh, how are you going to pursue his purpose uh, if you don't talk to him? Uh, how are you going to know what it is uh, that he wants you to do? How are you going to be able to respond uh, to the opportunity that comes knocking at your door uh, if you're not in connection with him? It takes a God connection in your life to get you from justification to glorification. But we have that assurance that if we want to be saved, nothing can stop us from being saved. Amen. If we choose to remain in the church, if we choose to follow God's plan for our lives, if we maintain our connection with God, there is no external force that can remove us from his hand. Nothing outside of our own human will can rob us of the assurance of our salvation. By maintaining a daily connection with God, that's how we keep our will in submission to his will and your human carnal will is the only thing that can take you out of the presence of God Amen. it's the only thing that can take you out of the hand of God in light of all of that Paul says in verse 31 of our text what shall we then say to these things the things he's talking about you know, whom he foreknew, he predestined. Who predestined, he called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. What do we say about that? This is what we say. If God be for us, who can be against us? This is why God connection is so vital. Uh, if God is on our side, uh, it doesn't matter who opposes us. Uh, it doesn't matter who comes up against us. Uh, it doesn't matter what obstacles in our way. His promises are forever settled in heaven. Uh, and he has already determined uh, that he's going to have a victorious church. Uh, and if I stay with that church, uh, then nothing in this world uh, can steal the ultimate victory that will be mine if God be for us. The devil wants to highlight that first word, if. If would seem to imply uncertainty. That perhaps it's possible that God would not be for us. So let me give you some clarity. I can promise you something on the foundation of the word of God. If you maintain your God connection, God will always be for you. Amen. Amen. If you maintain your God, whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, 
he glorified. You stay faithful to your calling, and he will stay faithful to you. Amen? I hear to tell, come here to tell somebody on a Sunday afternoon, it's not a question of if God is for you or not. God is for you. Amen? I say God is for you. Let me tell you what that means. It doesn't just mean we say, you know, I'm for somebody. That may mean I'm rooting for them. Amen? But the Greek term there doesn't have anything to do with, you know, hey, rah, rah, go team. Uh, the Greek word there means on behalf of. Uh, it indicates that God is working on our behalf. Uh, amen. It's not just that God is sitting back saying, you go. Uh, I'm with you. I'm behind you all the way. What it says is that uh, God uh, is on our side. Uh, God is on our team. Uh, God is involved in our fight. Uh, God is working on our behalf. Uh, and if God is in the middle of our controversy, then who can stand? against us that's the significance of a God connection in our lives it's not that he's pulling for us but that he is actually in the fight and he's on our side. Amen. He's not neutral. Huh? Amen. He, he is personally invested in your salvation. He filled you with his spirit. Amen. He filled you with the Holy Ghost. He invested himself in you. This is personal to God. Amen. If you stay with this thing, if you keep your connection with him, he's going to cause you to overcome. So when Paul asks, who then can be against us? He's not suggesting uh, that there'll be no opposition, uh, that because God is on our side, uh, there's none that will come against us. Uh, he's not suggesting that there won't be any that will oppose us. Uh, what he's saying uh, is if we maintain our connection to God, uh, if we daily renew our connection with him, if we pursue his purpose uh, and his will for our lives, if we're purposeful about being disciples of Jesus Christ, God will be working for us. God will be on our side. And if God is on our side, it really doesn't matter who's against us. That's the point. It, uh, it's not that there won't be any obstacles. It's it really doesn't matter what the obstacle is. It's not that there won't be an adversary. It's that it really doesn't matter who the adversary is because there is no power in the universe that's greater than your God. There is no enemy that can overcome the God who's working for you. There is no external force that can stop you from being saved. There is no external force that can stop you from making heaven your home. Amen. There will be struggles. There will be battles. There will be bad days. There are going to be times when everything in your life seems to be falling apart. But here's the benefit of a God connection. On your worst day, God is fighting for you. Against your greatest enemy, God is fighting for you. When you face uh, your most persistent temptation, uh, God uh, is fighting for you. When you come up against that thing uh, that's caused you to stumble over and over and over again, God is for you. And if God is for you, what could ever stand against you? The point of the passage 
is that just as surely as God has the power to save us, he has the power to keep us saved. Amen. I said, just as surely as he has the power to bring you into the church, he has the power to keep you in the church. If you, honey, if you just stay with the church, you're going to be all right. I said, if you just stay with the church, you're going to be all right. You're going to make mistakes. I'm here to tell you, you're going to mess up. Uh, and the devil's going to lay it on you so thick and tell you there's no sense in coming back to church. You done blown it for the last time. You pushed God's mercy too far. Honey, I'm going to promise you something. You stay with the church and God will stay with you. Amen. You get down in an altar and you humble yourself in the presence of God and he will lift you up. Amen. Amen. Our victory is assured. We will overcome this world because God will have a church. That's the forever settled plan of God. But that does not mean that you cannot lose out with God. Just as much assurance as I've said you can have about your salvation, and you, you can be completely sure that if you stay with the church, if you stay in the will of God, you maintain that God connection in your life, you're going to be okay. But that does not mean that you cannot remove yourself from the plan of God for your life, that you cannot cut yourself off from the church. What it does mean is that if you lose out for if you lose out your walk with God, if you lose out with God, there'll be nobody to blame but you. Because there's no external force that's great enough to prevent God's plan from coming to pass in your life. There is no enemy strong enough to overcome God's will for your life. It's your will and your will alone that can conquer that. The only way you can lose out with God is if you fail to maintain your connection with God. Would you stand with me? It's hard to believe that in this day and age there are still places where you simply cannot get a cell phone signal. Sometimes I enjoy those places. It's kind of nice to settle into a deer stand, Brother Donnie, and know that nobody can call me. It's really nice to get out in the river and know that nobody can call me. But there are times when you really need to connect and you find yourself in one of those places where there is no service. You, you wave your phone all around and no signal. No, so let's go climb a tree somewhere and see if we get high enough. Maybe, maybe get my climber and go up the tree. I've, I've discovered sometimes you get high enough in the hills, you can find the one little bar. Amen. No signal. You can't communicate if you can't connect. Right. And we're a connected generation. On Saturday, was it Saturday? It was Saturday. I left my phone in the truck. We pulled up to the science museum, and uh, I was engaged in a conversation with my wife and my boys, and we got out and headed for the building. And I left, you got to pay for your parking inside the building. I left a little parking ticket in the truck. So we got halfway to the building. Nowhere in St. Louis can you park close to where you're going. It's just, they, that concept is just, man, that's going. So we got halfway to the building, and I realized I've left the ticket truck so I went all the way back out of the truck 
and I got the ticket. And I was halfway back to the building again when I realized, Brother Donnie, I left my phone. And I just said, hang it. I ain't no way. I'm not going back for my phone. I can live just a few minutes without my phone. Amen. Amen. Can I testify and tell you I never felt so disconnected. I mean, I'm just a product of my generation. I kept, see, we were a group, but we weren't all together. We were kind of scattered. We were, we had loose, loose plans that we were trying to work together and make sure, you know, we, everybody knew what everybody was doing. And so Zach and Tiffany and Clayton, they're somewhere over here. And me and the boys were down in this Pompeii exhibit. And, 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 and Randy was with me. And I, I'm not even sure where Anita and my wife were. And, and we're just all kind of spread out and scattered around. And, and, and Ryan and his kids, they're stuck. They got hung up in the dinosaur exhibit. I mean, Madden dinosaur for hours on end. And, and we had a plan. It was a loose plan to, to eventually move over to the zoo. But the problem is I didn't have my phone. And so I got my wife's phone, and I called them, and I said, hey, if you need to get a hold of me, you're going to text my wife or call my wife because I don't have a phone. You know, I'm out of contact. She's going to be my, my conduit. And then she decided not to go to the exhibit with me. So Brother Randy went with me. So I'm calling everybody. You know, if you're going to call me, if you're going to get a hold of me, this is where I am. This is what I'm doing. You're going to need to get a hold of Brother Randy, and Brother Randy can get a hold of me and let me know what's going on. Connected. I have a word from heaven. Some of you are telling God that the only way he can get a hold of you is through a preacher. Some of you are sending the message to heaven. I don't have my connection. If you want to get a word to me, you're going to have to lay it on the preacher's heart. If you want to get a word to me, you're going to have to tell the preacher, Honey, I got news for you. The preacher ain't with you 24-7 and I don't even want to be. You need a connection to heaven. You need a connection with the presence of God. You need a prayer life. You need a place where you can shut yourself away in the presence of God and hear from him. You need to be able to recognize that still small voice when it speaks into your spirit. So on this first Sunday of August reset, I want to ask you to listen to your pastor for just a minute. You can't live for God without a God connection in your life. I'll, be the, I'll stand on the highest mountain. I'll scream it to the top of my lungs. You stay in the church and you'll stay saved. But you hear me. You're not going to stay in the church if you don't keep a God connection. I'll be the, I'll be the first one to tell you, I, I believe your salvation is secure. I don't believe there's a devil in hell that can knock you out of the church if you maintain your connection with God. But listen to me. You lose your connection with Him and He can't talk to you and honey, you're in trouble. Uh, Satan can't remove you from the church. Uh, he can't rob you of the joy of your salvation. Uh, amen. He'll stand against you and He'll oppose you and He'll fight you every step of the way. But greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Uh, amen. God is for you and Satan cannot overcome you. Uh, that's the security of your salvation. He's well able to keep you if When you don't pray, 
you're doing the same thing I did. You're sending a message to heaven. I've cut myself off. There's an emergency somewhere, and I'm cut off, Brother Donnie. I worry about that sometimes in those places where I can't connect. You know, if there's a, if there's a tragedy somewhere, I'm cut off. If God wants to really move upon my heart, there's an opportunity coming along or, or there's a temptation coming along and I need the grace of God uh, to help me. I'm cut off and I can't get a connection. Amen. When you're fasting and your personal dedication fall by the wayside, you disconnect yourself from the supernatural. You disconnect yourself from the presence and power of God. I'm here to tell you on the first Sunday of August, reset. this is a church uh, that's going to overcome. This is a church that's going to be victorious. Uh, this is a church that's going to have revival. This is a church that's going to see an outpouring. Uh, this building isn't big enough uh, to hold the harvest that God has uh, for this church. Uh, I believe that with every fiber of my being. Uh, it's been prophesied. Uh, it's been spoken. Uh, amen. We're going to reap fields. Uh, we're going to reap seed uh, that we didn't plant. Uh, we're going to get a harvest from an unlikely field. It's coming, honey, but you better maintain your connection or you'll miss the whole thing. And so I'm calling you on a Sunday afternoon. I know it's, I've shouted, I've ran, I've, I've gotten loud and boisterous and all of a sudden I've come down real slow. But I'm asking you to find a place of prayer on a Sunday morning and turn your heart towards heaven. I'm, I, I'm asking you to to challenge yourself, to, to renew a commitment. To, to re Listen, this is more than just something I'm doing on a Sunday afternoon. I have to be in connection with Him. I, I have to be tied into His presence. I, I have to be in the place where He can speak to me. I, I have to be in the place where I can hear from Him.